organized as hell. <laughs> it's amazing the contrast in which we present ourselves and the reality of what we were. <laughs> right? It's not nearly yeah. as sexy. <laughs> no, it really isn't. And I think it's a great place to start our uh, third uh, episode of Game Explained Real Talk. Now, despite the fact that I'm talking right now, I'm actually going to hand it off to Derek, because I'm feeling a little bit under the weather this past week, and um, I just figure if I can uh, reduce how much I have to talk in general, it'll probably be for everyone's benefit. So, uh, Derek, take it away. Yeah, we don't want you to lose your voice, do we? But, yeah, uh, yeah how's, I guess, how were you guys' week? Uh, what did you guys do this week? Anything fun? Interesting? I played Pokemon. Worthwhile? I played Pokemon Tournament. You did get to play Pokemon yeah. Tournament. We, got, we actually talked about that a, a little bit, um... A little bit earlier the, this week, I guess we did that whole other um, our preview discussion type things that we typically do. Yeah, no, but, this is not quite a real discussion, but a preview discussion. Not, yeah. not really. It's just a way to get your thoughts out there, since you know nothing about Pokemon. <laughs> so right, it's okay, like, come on, let's be uh, let's be real. Not nothing, just mostly. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it still feels weird to me that it's coming out soon. It feels like it shouldn't be out for another couple of months. Like it's weird that. People are already playing the English version. We're already playing the English version. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I, it it, it kind of caught me by surprise that's coming out so soon, and that there was a preview for it, event for it too. Um, and I just want to say, like, uh, I didn't mention it really in our discussion much, but it was really cool to be able to interview the uh, developers behind the game. Um, like, I always just love being able to do that kind of like behind the scenes stuff and like be able to ask them questions. And they were great. Like, they gave me some actually pretty candid answers. Like. It felt like none of that was really filtered by, by PR at all. Like they, they felt they gave me like authentic responses to my questions. No, that's super cool. Remember yeah. that we went to some press event last year, Andre. I think that they actually had like a canned list of questions. They actually had a printout that they gave us, telling us what questions were approved that we could ask, and we thought that was utterly ridiculous. And we can't. I, I, I don't remember that. Are you talking about the, uh, the the tweet Nintendo sent out where they had? pre-written questions there, there was that too but I, but I remember us doing we went to some press event where there were approved questions that we could ask for some game huh. I can't remember which one it was but we were just like that's the exact opposite because we're like are you, <laughs> are you guys serious right now yeah I don't remember I, that wow I never get to go to these pre- uh, preview events because I'm in Pennsylvania yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. east coast the worst yeah. coast no <laughs> I can't. I, I lie. Disney World's out on the East Coast. I can't. Exactly. Exactly. But it's stuck in Florida. So yeah. rest in peace. No. Um, <laughs> uh, no I mean, I, I love being able to do interviews whenever we can. Like when I, when we took part in that interview with Grant Kirkhope and the guys that work, yeah, uh, working on yeah ukulele. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Just watching you guys do the interview since I was cameraman at the time but uh when i first started working for game explain i also did a got to take part in a round table with uh warren specter when he was talking about epic mickey and uh, i thought i thought that was really interesting because warren specter was such a big deal and uh just that was probably our first big real interview i think actually well it was sort of a round table it's like anybody could ask questions and i'm pretty sure i I asked like three times the questions of anybody else there (laughs) (laughs) it was basically a one-on-one exclusive interview then pretty much (laughs) i've I've met him before i I did my own interviews with him for the uh release of epic mickey 2 not related to game explained but before i was with gx and he's an interesting guy um i'll I'll just leave it at that but he's an interesting guy (laughs) yeah yeah Yep, but you got to play Pokémon, but I believe you're also playing something else this week, weren't you, Andre? Oh, hell yeah, I have been. So after, as I said before a couple weeks ago um, on the podcast, I just finished Super Metroid, and I hopped immediately into Metroid Zero Mission, and I mentioned I'd be playing it on and off for the next couple weeks. And as of last week, I was I was maybe like an hour, hour and a half into the game, so not far. But as of yesterday, I officially finished Zero Mission as well. 
So that's wow, too, it didn't take you three. nearly as long as uh, you thought it would. No, I didn't realize it was that short. Like it took me, uh, according to the playtime, took me about five hours, which is half of what it took me for Super Metroid. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, it, it's a shorter game. Yeah, seen the big. Mm-hmm. But I lo- I love how the ending completely, or the, I should say the finale, completely subverts your expectations of the original <laughs> game's ending, if you play the original game. Oh, I, I mean, yeah. I didn't, but the original, I mean, the Metro games seem to follow a pretty similar template overall, so yeah. having even played, well, just recently Super Metroid, and of course before that, the Metroid Prime games, um, I was actually totally taken by surprise. If you yeah. if you'd follow me on Twitter, you can see my raw reactions <laughs> to what was happening. Oh, and I gotta see that. It's so, I guess spoilers if you haven't played the games. You may want to skip ahead probably, I don't know, a minute or two. Uh, if you're listening to this in the future. If you're listening to it live, sorry, you're, being, you're gonna be spoiled right now. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I was completely blindsided by the whole, like, crash landing and you know, being stuck at Zero Suit Samus. I thought that was awesome. I yeah. love that. I mean, first off, I love being surprised. That totally caught me off guard. Um, like, at first, even with the little, the short amount of build-up there, I'm like, oh, are they tying this into some kind of, like, plot in the future game that I'm not aware of somehow, and no, it was a, a whole brand new sequence where you explore um, the the ship as, like, Zero Suits Amos and the ruins, and I'm like, this is freaking awesome, and I love the gameplay, it was completely changed, where it turned more into, uh, for lack of a better description, like a Metal Gear Solid-type stealth game, where you have to avoid being caught by lasers and the space pirates, and I love that, that was so fun, like, that... I, that actually is probably my favorite part. Actually, that is my favorite part of the game. That was great. <laughs> well, how about that boss fight where you have to where you get Samus's power suit back? Oh, that was so that was interesting. So cool. That was I, I really love how cool. kind of yeah. There's 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 a cool bit of like it. It's what Metroid does so well. Is that it's kind of like that emergent storytelling where it tells you an interesting story without actually having anyone say a word. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I will say though, speaking of the story, the one thing that did maybe throw me off a little bit. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a huge fan of, despite the artwork itself being impressive. The, the little cutscenes or vignettes that happened between mm-hmm. like some of the areas when you're taking the elevator, that actually kind of took me out of the experience a little bit because it, okay. didn't, qu- it didn't quite jive with how the rest of the game looked, especially coming off Super Metroid, which had none of that. Yeah. Um, and it also made it, I don't know, it almost felt a, a little bit too structured. It's Because Super Metroid felt like a like the story progressed at its own pace. Like It felt like you were exploring this world and... I don't know. This is hard. This can be hard for me to convey, but it felt more natural. Whereas in this game, it's like, oh, I'm hitting, I'm triggering these plot points yeah. at these very obvious intervals. So it, I don't know. It felt a little bit weird to me. In that, I'm gonna in go that case, out. it's yeah. In that case, I think like it's a good thing that you played Zero Mission next instead of Fusion because Fusion is probably the most linear uh, Metroid game in the series. Right. Yeah, I was going to go out on a limb and say that you're not going to like Fusion, or at least at the very least, <laughs> I, I, not like it as much. I think you're still going to like it. I, okay. I think I think there's I think there's a lot of good in Fusion, and I really don't mind the more linear structure of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, it, it works. They they build the game to, uh, to, around that, so it, it sort of works. I remember the first time I played Zero Mission, I was so confused. I'm like, did I collect everything? It feels like I'm missing. Like I don't have the normal amount of missiles and power bombs and everything else that I usually have. And then the whole crash sequence happened in Zero Mission. I was like, oh, this is so cool yeah. and so awesome. And I heard that they – I remember a long time ago. They said they put in that sequence to explain how Samus gets the um, – uh, gets a new suit in um, Metroid 2 uh-huh. because they had because they had to change the design of it in order to convey that she was wearing a new suit since they couldn't rely on colors. Right. So it was right, that makes sense. Really clever and, uh, again, just a real lot of – a very unique segment, and again, as far as storytelling, um, you know, they had that at the very end. They showed that drawing that young Samus had put on that wall. Yeah, 
uh, you can actually see that drawing in the gameplay. It's tucked away, and it's a little bit, but you can see some scratches in there. That oh, yeah. like a cool bit. That's true. <laughs> I love Keep how we were able mind. to extrapolate this whole discussion based on one game Andre is playing this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can just go for a couple hours on this. Yeah. Um, there's just one more point I want to make about it real quick, though, is like I love that ending so much, that final sequence, rather. I want to see more of that in Metroid games. Like I was thinking, how cool would it be if you had this massive Metroid-like, uh, you know, a Metroid world, but you, what if you were chased? Like I was thinking, what if you had? What if you're being chased by a single enemy, like the um, the nemesis from like Resident Evil, where <laughs> you have to avoid at certain points in the game? Oh, uh, see, Derek, Derek's thinking <laughs> you know, the same thing you, I am. You know, you know what I love, uh, Ash. Every time mm-hmm. Andre talks about, every time Andre talks about what he wants next, <laughs> next from Metroid, Met- Metroid, the next Metroid game sort of provides that. For oh, me. that's awesome! Yeah. All right, oh, no, I okay. Have- I take back what I said. You're gonna love Metroid Fusion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You totally oh, man, are. Yeah. Uh, Real quick, did you? I'm sure you appreciated the fact that they did change how you, they actually marked that you, where you found some of the, uh, the the items and stuff that you could do the missile expansions and whatnot. So funny you bring that up. Yes, I did like that was a really good change. Um, I mean, thank God that annoyed me so much as Super Metroid. However, I almost think they went a little bit too, a little bit overboard on the whole mapping thing, where like it always tells you where you can go next, and that's handy. Like I was never lost. Which was weird in comparison to Super Metro, where I was lost all the freaking time. Um, so I almost felt it. Uh, it's weird. Like I felt. I feel like it needs some kind of compromise between the two. Like l- a little bit less handholding, but not as uh, opaque. Or is that is that how I want to describe it as uh, Super Metroid? Um, well, I hate to tell you this, but Metroid Zero Mission is that middle ground. Oh really? Yeah, that's yeah. weird. So I think they just backed off from that a little bit. You maybe not tell you exactly where to go. But one thing I did like about Super Metroid. Which was you'd find you see these blank points on the map, and it's like, okay, how do I get into those rooms? It almost felt like a mm-hmm. game of like Picross or something, where you're trying to figure out like like trying to unravel this puzzle of how to fill in those gaps. Uh, so that's something I felt like Zero Mission could have done a little bit better. But otherwise, I thought most of the changes were good. Yeah, um, and mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, well that's, that's not about what I did this week. I think. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, what did, what did you do this week, Ash? Um, other than work, um, I've been playing a few things. I'm actually about 80% of the way through Uncharted 3. Uh, it's my first time through the game. I'd already I'd previously played Uncharted 1 and 2, but I figured I would just replay the entire series via the Nathan Drake collection in preparation for Uncharted 4, which is currently my most anticipated game of the year. Um, and so I've been excited to play 3 just because I've heard so many opinions on it, extreme opinions, ranging from it's fantastic to the more common it's the worst game ever, and I figure the truth you know, lied somewhere in the middle, or lay somewhere in the middle, and I was right. It's I, I definitely get why it's compared unfavorably to Uncharted 2, but um, I definitely do like 2 more. Uh, the first half of 3 is dreadfully slow, but I have to say, though, the second half of 3 is really making up for it right now. Um, I'm about... I think probably five or six chapters away from the end, so not quite there yet, but I am looking forward to seeing how it all ends. It's definitely delivering on uh, you know Uncharted 2's highs, uh, at least in terms of the second half of the game. So I've been playing that. There's a lot there. Don't move yeah, on. Exactly. Yet, so. You're not move on. <laughs> you're not, oh, okay. All right. We just spent how long talking about Metro? We can talk <laughs> well, that's about true. Uncharted. That's true. I've just been play. playing other things too, so yeah. yeah. Well, how many chapters are in Uncharted 3 again, you think? I, I don't know for sure, but if it's if uh, the other two games are, are anything to go by, it's around twenty six or maybe like mid twenties. Okay, 20s. so you have about fifth of the what, game. What's the last? Game. What's the last thing that happened? Again, That's a good one, yeah. warning for I just got through the uh, the part where Drake is wandering or Nate, Nate is wandering through the desert alone, and then he stumbled upon the settlement, like this abandoned, okay, abandoned village, and then out in the middle of the desert. 
Okay, so yeah, you're definitely towards the end, but you still have a lot that can happen. Um, yeah. So okay, but that gives me a nice um, frame of reference. But yeah, that that entire plane sequence is still it is definitely the highlight. It's why they showed it off so much, and the the desert sequence is yeah really great. I, I really enjoyed that sequence. Honestly, I enjoy. I, I had fun with Uncharted 3 the entire way through. I didn't mind the slower bits of the beginning, but mm-hmm. when I looked at it as a whole compared to 2, that's where it sort of dropped off for me, and yeah. I, th- I think there's a little bit of the ending there too, where I'm like, okay, this is fine, but I have a few issues that make me keep it from being quite as good as 2. Right, and that's that's kind of how I'm feeling about it. I mean, I am really looking forward to seeing how everything between Nate and Marlowe plays out. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens with Sully, because they're really driving that emotional point home. This is a game about Drake and Sully, their relationship. Although I'm, I am glad that they were able to... Personally, my favorite relationship throughout the whole series is, is Nate and Elena. I think they have amazing rapport. They have great chemistry. I love their relationship. So I love the stuff between them and three. Um, there's, there, are a lot, there are a couple of really, really nice scenes between them, especially when Drake kind of stumbles back into her room after escaping the ship uh, and just kind of being completely beaten up. You've never seen him quite this beaten up before. And he's just kind of like, you know, he apologizes to her and she's just kind of taking care of him. And I'm like, it's, it's a nice, really sweet character moment between them. So mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad that they were able to, to fit some stuff with Elena in there, in there as well. Although I do feel like Chloe is kind of underused in this game. The the thing that always sticks out in my mind the most about three is just the tech. I mean, between the the the, the desert yeah. uh, and the sh- the entire ship sequence, how things move and shift and uh, everything uh, else. Move be- and ship. Huh. Oh, God, <laughs> I do love I love the yeah. the weather effects in the uh, the the ship chase chapter when it's raining and windy. The mm-hmm. end of the ship ship graveyard section. I've been that, playing with the pulse headphones. And it's just, it really feels like you're there. What did you think about the ship chapter itself, where you're actually on the ship? I think you know, I enjoyed it. I really? thought it was a cool yeah. setting. I know it's very divisive, and a lot of people yeah. thought it was way too slow, but, you know, I, I wouldn't want to play through that chapter over and over again, but for a one time, or at least my first time through, I really liked the setting. Like, mm-hmm. I really, I, I enjoyed it. That's how I feel, basically, is like, I, you know, as I said, I played this game for a, a friend of mine, uh, just as like it was a mo- as if it was a movie. He wanted to experience it. Loves the games. Never played it himself. He just enjoys watching me play mm-hmm. as if it was you know a movie. And you know he he loves watching that stuff. And it's fun playing it for him. Like I I like trying to do my best in order to try to make it as cinematic as possible uh, nice. for him. And it's it's just a good time. And I. I yeah, they have issues, and I have like I like rank the games, of course, and think one's better than the other, or anything like that. But I still like all three games. Wait, hold on, Derek. Yeah. So you're telling me when you're playing the game for your friend, you're not going around collecting all the collectibles? I find that hard to believe coming from you. No, no, I actually try to like streamline it as much wow. as much as possible. Nice. <laughs> you know what? Actually, that reminds me of something that kind of annoys me about that series is just the I don't think the collectible should exist in that game. I think they, they they take away from the pace of the game. And, I agree. Yeah, they detract from it. But they're also completely optional. Even being an option, I didn't think they were integrated well. Like it, it didn't make sense from a storytelling perspective when Nathan Drake's in a hurry in some places and is going around like looking in corners, opening every drawer in the house or something. You know, it makes I, some I sense in the first game. I agree. Although you you very rarely have to look for treasures during chase sequences. I, I'll, actually, I'm not even sure if I can think of a single instance where you 
do have to find a treasure during a chase sequence. The one that sticks out in my mind the most is during uh, the beginning of Uncharted 2. Mm-hmm. You're injured, you're oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> messed up, and you can still find <laughs> treasures along yeah. the way. Yeah, yeah like stuff it's like, like that. I might be like, dying, but I could get this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I see what you're saying. I, I will say, I do agree with you, but I do like how some of the more well-hidden treasures it kind of in, um, drive you to explore the environment more than you might. Climb optional things. Like, try to mm-hmm. find your way around structures that you might you know, otherwise just run straight through to get to the next cutscene, which would be fine, but I just like how you're encouraged to explore looking mm-hmm. for treasures. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they could do a better job of encouraging you. I mean, sure. rather, I think they could find a better way to tie into the narrative where, instead of finding these really what are, would amount to abstract uh, abstractions from the game. So. Sure, sure. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, one thing I did want to touch on really quick... Um, was, Besides playing Fire Emblem Fates, which I can't say too much about, obviously, it's not out yet, um, I have been playing an iOS game. Uh, normally, m- most of my mobile gaming is limited to rhythm games and, like, you know, kind of pick up and play while you're standing in line type games. But I have been playing Adventures of Mana, which is uh, a kind of stealth release by Square Enix last week uh, on the App Store and uh, the Android Google Play Store or whatever. Um, it's a remake of Final Fantasy Adventure for the original Game Boy, one of my, really, one of my original favorite action RPGs. And uh, it's it's a great remake. It's it's like a one to one remake of this of this original Final Fantasy adventure with obviously you know much up, you know vastly updated graphics and music, but the game itself is still exactly the same. And this might be the end up being the first iOS game I play like you know kind of a single player traditional type game that I play to completion because it really is a faithful remake um, of the original. Well, Final Fantasy Adventure is actually the is like Secret of Mana One. It's like the yeah. prequel to Secret of Mana. So it's a, it's a really faithful remake, and I definitely uh, encourage those of you out there who are cool with iOS gaming to check it out because it's it's really good. Is it the typical Square Enix price where it's fifteen dollars? It is. It, it's thirteen ninety nine, and I, I, I get it. that's probably you know I get that's probably a lot for a lot of, for a lot of people, and you know. But my thinking is it's it's a traditional type of game. It's not a pick up and play. It's not the kind of game that you play for five minutes. It's a sit down traditional type, you know, type of game. And, you know, it, it's going to last you a good 30, 40 hours. And it's fun. I don't really see the, you know, I know the pricing model in the App Store makes it seem like anything above like two ninety nine, three ninety nine is too expensive. But when you consider the kind of game you're getting, I, I felt mean, like that, it was worth it. That's granted. But the other, the other thing that makes me the most trepidatious about, uh, playing traditional games on mobile is the fact that control scheme. <laughs> yeah, How and that's, the, that's the main scheme? thing. I mean, I feel like Square did the best they could given the touchscreen controls, and they're not bad, but it actually does include gamepad support for you know people who do have iOS-compatible controllers, so there is gamepad support, but I totally agree. The main issue with the game is the touchscreen controls, and that's not something that's Square's fault. They did a pretty good job implementing them, but yeah, that would be the one main drawback. Put that bad boy on the eShop for 15 bucks. <laughs> I know. I well, you know, there is, it is actually out for the Vita in Japan, and, mm-hmm. and there's kind of a small vocal minority kind of begging Square to bring it to the Vita in the U.S., which I really hope they do. I would buy it just to support it, but, uh, you know, because the original Final Fantasy Adventure is a great game. Well, it was kind of ahead of its time back when it was first released, so... Yeah, I definitely recommend it if you're into iOS gaming. Might be a little pricey, but it's it's worth it in my opinion. Yeah, I mean they also put out Final Fantasy IX on iOS, which is cool. Which I really want to play, but I'm I'm kind of I'm holding out hope that they'll do it on PS4. Like I hope. I hope. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping too, because they're going to put FF9 on Steam as well. Yeah, I know you don't. I know you don't actually get anything from Steam, but uh, except for I, Undertale. Yeah, except for Undertale. Yeah, uh, but you know, it's it's one of those things like. 
come on, let me buy this game again. Put it on yeah, PS4, I, would I will buy, buy this buy game again. FF9 again. Especially, it's got like a triple speed option, which I guess for FF9's battles mean it would actually run at a regular normal speed. <laughs> Since FF9's <laughs> battles were so slow. And don't get yeah. me wrong, I love 9, but yeah. Really slow fights. Yeah. Um, Alright, well I guess all that's left is... Uh, what I did this week, and really not much. <laughs> I, nice. I played, oh, I played, you do a lot of Fire Emblem, right? So. I played a lot of Fire Emblem. I'm still playing Fire Emblem, yeah. trying to get it beaten uh, for all this. And it, I'll say this much. Conquest, I mean, I, I love these games, but Conquest is going to kick your ass. Uh, because I, I lost... That must mean it will. <laughs> <laughs> um. I've lost so many characters, so many characters, and had to restart. And I'd for eventually, I was just forced to um, switch to casual because I just kept losing characters, and I didn't want to restart all the time like I would do if yeah. I was playing normally. I needed to get this review done, and I needed to see as much as possible. So eventually, I did switch to casual mode, and I tried to playing in the same way that I would have if I had had been playing on classic. And I had some some matches where I lost five characters in a in a, in a single ma- uh, single uh, chapter. I'm like, holy crap, this is a massacre in Final <laughs> Fire Emblem terms. This yeah. is ridiculous. These, I mean, you really have to have a plan and really know what's coming in. Sometimes I just had bad luck where I was going to survive uh, like an incoming uh, hit and they had a 2% chance of doing a critical and yeah. by God, they got that 2% chance. Yeah. I, I'm also, I'm not sure if you've noticed this as well, uh, Ash, but the percentages uh are, it feels like I'm missing a lot of things. Like, I missed some hits where I had a 91% chance of hitting, and they missed. Hmm. I, and, I have heard that complaint about Fire Emblem a lot. I have to say that hasn't happened to me a whole lot in Birthright. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if... I mean, I, I doubt there's anything to that. But, but yeah, I, I think I've noticed it more on the opposite end, where enemies have a low chance of hitting, but they'll still hit. But usually mm-hmm. when I have a high chance of hitting, I'll, I'll pretty much always hit. So I would say that I miss very, very seldomly. But enemies hit a lot, even if they oh, yeah. have like thirty-five percent or twenty-eight percent chance of hitting. Yeah. Oh, I've noticed that too. I mean, <clears throat> it's they'll they'll get you, and it's it's interesting. It's definitely a challenge, but I've I mean, I'm still enjoying it. That's the thing because the plot is amazing, and fates pulls no punches. <laughs> it really. Yeah. Uh, we, you and I were talking about something that I just went through in Birthright. Uh, of course, I'm not going to say anything here for spoilers, but yeah, you know, both versions of Fire Emblem Fates, I would say, pull no punches in terms of. You know the thematic, you know, the thematic elements in terms of just loss and 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 it's it's a pretty dark game. Oh yeah, it definitely is. Um, otherwise, the only other thing I've gotten the chance to play or do is I did pick up Street Fighter Five without realizing just how little. Like I knew it was like I was aware of the like the characters coming later and the story mode coming later, the full blown story mode. But I still thought there was going to be an arcade mode, a uh, a way to, you know, basically everything else except those features. No, there's so little in that game, and the the, the story sequences they have are so short. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it'll take you, you'll get maybe two or three fights yeah. per, per character. Oh, yeah, it's so And they're so, short. so easy. The, but the, most, the most gameplay you'll get out of the single player right now is the survival mode. Um, and that's about it. And yeah. I... I attempted to play online with a couple people when it was released. Yeah, uh, in just all the various modes, and couldn't connect at all. Well, it really yeah, there is. There have been some server issues for sure. No, like it, I really, it, you, it is worth waiting on this game for now. Like it's, I'd say, until the, the rest of this, 
the major update in March comes. Because as of right now, I mean, the thing is, I'm still enjoying it from a gameplay perspective. I think it's a fun battle system. It's really easy to pick up and play. Um, I just want something to do in it, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it does feel like it's more for, at this stage, that Street Fighter V is really more for fighting game enthusiasts mm-hmm. right now, just because there's so little single-player content for the kind of the more relaxed fan to enjoy. Yeah, a lot of people were thinking that the reason they rushed it out with so little features is because they wanted to be able to make Evo. Oh, that's exactly why they did it. Mm-hmm. Totally, yeah. They're just trying to offer the most pure gameplay or you know arcade experience they can possible. I don't see what's <laughs> so wrong with that. <laughs> well, yeah. there's, but, but what's funny is that you say that, yet there's not even an arcade mode, yeah, no, which is not something yeah. that I would personally <laughs> miss, but I do find amazing. that funny. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's shocking how little there is. I mean, it has a slot for challenges, and you can't. The challenges aren't up yet. But it's the just, core gameplay is excellent, and I mean, and, and yeah, I think is. a lot of people tend to overlook that just because it's a little feature light. Um, you know, I would say it's even more feature light mm-hmm. than Splatoon was at launch. But the, oh, but it the totally core game, is. Yeah, but, but the core that, game. But is that's amazing. my hope is by September we'll have something in the line with Splatoon where it's just full of features and exactly. characters and stuff. So. That's that's why I still picked it up initially because I was thinking, okay, this is a game that you can build off of, and rather than having, you know, Ultra Street Fighter Five somewhere down the line. Yeah, I think I think having it as a platform is the right way to go, and I'll pick it up eventually. You know, maybe when the end game shop launches in March, maybe there'll be a slight price drop right then, so I might just get it then. But I don't feel the need to rush out and get it just because I know I would essentially be spending sixty bucks to get my ass beat online. So. <laughs> You know. I haven't got the chance to try that out yet, but I'm sure it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, But, yeah, I guess that's what we've been doing for the week. Wow, that took longer than usual because we like really got minutes, yeah, that's the podcast in with, the, uh, with just the games that you guys have been playing. Um, but let's go ahead and jump into the news. And I guess the um, big one that they start with, the big one we're starting out with is going back to Pokken is there is not going to be any DLC. This is at least the final roster for now because they said there's they have no plans for DLC but this is what they said about Smash and look at what we got what we got in terms of DLC for that so yeah and so i don't think a statement that there's no plans for DLC that statement literally means nothing at all like there is <laughs> i don't even know why that's a news story really because it's not news uh, we already know Nintendo like they you know they the way they t- they've been operating so far is they operate you know they get the game finished first and then they'll announce a DLC when they're ready to Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, I have no idea if there's going to be DLC coming to this game or not, but I wouldn't be surprised if there is, and I think that actually would be a good idea for them. They may want to wait to see how sales actually are before committing to it. That's my um, guess, is they're yeah. probably going to look at how, how well it sells before they decide whether or not to put DLC in there. Um, and, you know, it was, it was so funny. I was looking at your footage for Pokken, and we could see the character select screen. And I remember Ash complaining about the final character select screen for Smash Brothers. He would hate what the the, character, the CSS looks like for <laughs> Pokken right now. Yeah, he would. Because it is, like, there is literally five slots open. And it's done in a way where it's basically like a – imagine the shape of a, t- shape of a tape dispenser. A ma- yeah. uh, like a mask of tape dispenser where it's yeah. just a block and then one square off to the right. That's your that's your CSS, uh, Ash. <laughs> yeah, I probably am not going to like the character select screen, uh, you know, given the layout, just because I'm such a big layout guy. But getting back to the core discussion at hand, which is about the roster being final, I think there is a significant chance that it could be final, just because you know it's Pokemon tournament, it's not Smash. So I feel like you know the sales are really going to be a mere sliver of what Smash's sales have been and will end up being. So I, I think if Pokemon tournament ends up selling incredibly well, sure there could be DLC, but 
my feeling is that it's not going to sell that well in general, at least overall. So if the, if the profits aren't there, then I feel like the drive to create DLC characters won't be there. You know, I'm going to disagree with you. Okay, <laughs> the, the, there is a there seems to be a massive amount of outpouring for support of this game. People, are I kind of agree. Yeah, like our our videos. I mean, I actually I wasn't quite sure how this how Pokemon would do, but based on our video traffic, I think people are excited for this game. It looks like at least. Oh, I mean, I yeah. think people are excited for it. I just think you have to consider the Wii U's install base in general. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, but going by, going by that standard, every game is a failure. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, like, Mario Kart 8 and Smash are, are million yeah. sellers, whereas yeah, Pokemon yeah. Tournament's probably not going to be. I, I, it's definitely going to hit the top five, I think, as far yeah. as sales, because this is the first real Pokemon game on the Wii U. That's true. true too. There, yeah. There's that angle, too, yeah. Uh, with that said, though, Ash, I mean, you could be right. I mean, this game could go either way. But I am a little bit more optimistic at this point in time. Well, for it, so. I think getting, I think we should get DLC for the entire, all, every Pokemon. Let's just get all seven hundred twenty-two Pokemon. <laughs> all seven hundred Ultra Pokemon tournament. Yeah. <laughs> well, going off a of fighting game, still, uh, they had the whole challenge between Lupe Fiasco and Daigo. He like he issued a challenge to him in Street Fighter Five, and I heard this offhand and hearing about it. But my whole thought was like, well, that's dumb because of course Daigo's going to win but no Lupe Fiasco actually beat Daigo in Street Fighter 5 and uh, for you Andre have you ever seen that video where uh, the guy is on his last legs in Street Fighter 3 and he perfectly uh, reverses each uh, I think I hit? have this was a couple yeah. years ago right or oh this was ago? maybe this like ago. early Evo Okay, yeah, well, I, maybe I saw a couple years ago, but I think I have seen that video. So yeah, it's this guy fighting a rapper <laughs> in Street Fighter Five, okay. and somehow the rapper won. <laughs> so a lot of people are claiming that it was staged. It totally was. But, I mean, look, if, if you really think that Lupe Fiasco beat Daigo Umehara like in, in, in a serious match, and like Daigo was trying his best, I've got amazing bridges to sell you. Like, <laughs> I, I guarantee. I mean, this this. A little background. This was this event happened on stage at the Street Fighter Five launch event in San Francisco. There is no way this wasn't staged to a degree. I mean, I'm that's sure a good, that, that's a good point. Yeah, like I, I'm sure Daigo was trying a little, but there's no way he was giving it his all because that wouldn't have been a fun match to watch. There's no way that Lupe Fiasco could have beaten him in a fair match. Just no way. Yeah. I mean, some people are claiming that like maybe didn't learn the game well enough or anything like that by now, but there's enough basis in there that he should have no trouble uh facing lupe fiasco yeah. and you know go to go to on go to on him for you know putting up a challenge like it did seem like a pretty a good player but yeah i mean i, 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 I think I they think made it a that. good match for all the people watching i mean it was a launch event it wasn't a tournament you know if it was evo that mm-hmm. wouldn't have happened but it's a launch event it's for you know everyone it's not just for the hardcore community so i feel like it was it was done just to kind of have fun. Like, I don't think it was supposed to be taken yeah. that seriously. And Daigo has nothing to prove at this point. Everyone knows he's great, you know? Mm. Not anymore. <laughs> That's true, right? <laughs> Thanks to the internet. The, the rapper took a swag. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Although, you know, I do have to say, you know, as a rapper, or not, well, as a, I mean, for him, to put, if you're going to put your balls on the table like that, I feel like you have to be pretty confident in your skills, assuming it wasn't set up, right? So maybe he was, maybe he really was just that good. But if you're going to throw down, throw down that kind of challenge, you better be pretty confident in your game, right? Maybe, but true. I almost feel like the challenge was also staged. But because of your word choice, Andre, now I'm, I'm imagining you as a rapper, which is a really weird thing. It's like, <laughs> well, you know, as a rapper... Oh, man. Maybe I should uh, do some Pokemon I can't raps. even imagine you rapping, oh, man. Oh, God. 
<laughs> <laughs> I can barely talk. I can imagine rapping. You, you should you should upload the DK rap just just a random video one day. Just I did. You, you can hear in one of my old videos. You can hear um, from Smash 3DS. I did a DK rap Easter. Nice. Rap, and I actually sing the DK rap as part of it. So go. Oh, check okay, it out. I gotta check that out then. Oh for sure. gosh, I don't want to <laughs> check it out. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, moving on. Um, we also finally have uh, the Nintendo account website is up. You can sign up for it now and pre-register for Mitomo. I actually got an email about from Nintendo about that not too long ago as a fan, not like a company-wide thing, but just a fan email uh, saying that you can sign up for the account. And it looks like this is getting into place and they're getting ready to launch all this. Yeah. So I've already signed up for mine. Yeah. And in kind of a related note, what's interesting, though, is that if you try to go delete your Nintendo account, it reveals references to something called mission status, which we can probably try to. You can probably guess what that something about what that is, but it's just either they talk about mission coming. status, points, and rewards. So we know points and rewards are part of Nintendo account because it's the replacement right. for Club Nintendo. Mm-hmm. But mission status is a little more interesting. That is. That that sounds uh, just this, just the name alone is pretty enticing. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it almost sounds like an achievement type system. Although I feel like it's not going to yeah. be exactly that. Um, I don't think so either. But I wonder what it is. Like, I wonder if it's maybe like spend a certain amount of hours playing this game or playing Nintendo games in general, and you'll unlock certain rewards or something. Like, I wonder. It seems to be kind of like a like a. It sounds like a more of a larger kind of overtime based achievement type thing. Right. Like, yeah. what, if, what if you could actually choose your mission? Like, choose what mission you want to go for, and may, maybe it draws in elements from all across your Nintendo account, like. You know, say visiting Nintendo, you know, the Nintendo theme park combined with your uh, game progress combined with, I don't know, seeing a Nintendo movie or something. Like, yeah. who knows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting. Like, I, I'm It'd really be... looking forward to finding out what this is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious what they're going to be doing with the whole account system. And mission status, it would be cool, like, if you had three different missions and, like, each one has a different reward and you can choose what reward you really want to go for. Yeah. And uh, see, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious what Nintendo's going with this. Um, hopefully it's good. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I mean, it definitely seems like a step in the right direction. I mean, it remains to be seen how well they execute this whole Nintendo account thing, but the idea of it seems to be a step in the right direction. I will say it was stupid simple to sign it up It was, for it. yeah. That's a good sign in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so everything's connected and... Good to go, and we'll see where they go from here. But I guess it won't be too long until we can try out Mitomo for ourselves. And one of the other news that's come out about it is that Mitomo is online only. It can't play, can't be played offline, which I guess makes sense considering what type of game it is. It's basically, it looks like basically Nintendo's social network, right? So yeah, yeah, I think it could only really work online. Mitomo's so weird. I feel like I, on one hand, I don't care about it at all. On the other hand, I'm some. At the same time, I am mildly curious about it. So <laughs> it's yeah. weird. Like, I'll, I mean, we'll cover it, of course. We'll try it out. So, I mean, I guess I'm open to the possibility of me liking. Well, I'm, I'm kind of getting the, the idea. Time, I'm getting the sense it's kind of like Street Pass, but for iOS. It, it, except maybe so you're gonna love it then. This is gonna be like your favorite game. Well, of but time but, but with less like game of, gamification elements. Like it, the, you're That's not. True. You're actually. You're just none of the data you're you're sending and receiving is related to any other games. It's specifically Mitomo. So. I feel like it might not yeah. be quite fully Street Pass, but maybe like the the core of it is there. What if yeah. this is like Nintendo's uh, 
new like marketing technique. Like, what if they're actually they're transitioning into an advertising company? <laughs> this is their way of getting all this weird information about you <laughs> that no one else has. Well, I remember the, the kind of the chilling all- feeling I got the first time. It was like after one of the first Street Pass Plaza updates, where like I suddenly got the message: six of the ten people you just passed have been playing Fire Emblem Awakening. Do you want to connect to the Nintendo eShop to find out more information on this title? And I'm like, oh man! So this is what's happening now. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> wow, I haven't seen that. That's pretty. Yeah, I've never oh, seen okay. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mitomo. I mean, it sort of reminds me of combining me's with the Everybody Votes channel back on the Wii, coming up with topics that you can talk about. I think it'd be honestly. I think the putting some sort of form of the Nintendo Badge Arcade onto Mitomo would be really cool. Like you could decorate your house with all the badges or just various Nintendo themed stuff. Or just regular themed stuff if you don't want to. If you're not a Nintendo fan, mm-hmm. uh, I think it'd be kind of cool since you have that whole room to yourself. Like there's there's a lot of different ways they could do this. And the funny thing is, we still really don't know, don't know exactly how it's going to work or play. Yeah. Really. Although now that you mentioned Badge Arcade, I just have to say I'm so mad that game isn't a retail title. I don't need to decorate my home screen with badges. Just let me buy that game for thirty bucks and fill out my badge collection and not spend <laughs> money every time I do it. Like that game is so addictive. And I don't even I don't even use the badges. I don't care about using them. I just want to collect them and see them in the gallery. Release it as a standalone <laughs> title, and I would buy it in a second. Oh man, I love it. Ashes, I, it's so fun. Yeah, I, I, and they're bringing Mega Man badges to the to the arcade now, dude. I I hope for your sake Nintendo never has achievements, but I feel like that would end your life. You know, actually, I don't <laughs> think so like. because I I used to be like kind of into achievements back in the Xbox 360 back when it was new, but I very quickly got over achievements and trophies once I realized how much okay. kind of a time waster they were. So I actually think yeah, I'd be fine. I don't. I really am fine not going out of my way for trophies now. So I think I'd be okay. Keeping on Nintendo, uh, one of the more interesting things that is that an analyst has come out and said that Nintendo just cannot be acquired. They're not, they're, they have more than enough capital to even acquire other companies like Square Enix or Capcom if they were interested, which... I don't know funds at all. I don't know exactly how well Nintendo's doing, but I'm not too surprised by this news. It seems to make sense. Yeah. Like, I mean, Nintendo, ha- you know, Nintendo banks cash. They definitely have rainy day funds out there. So if they really wanted to, I, I wouldn't be surprised that they could do something like that for uh, Square Enix or Capcom. But I don't know. What do you guys think about this little bit, little tidbit? Oh, uh, it doesn't surprise nah. me either. I mean, there's there's a few things to consider here. First off, is the fact that I believe Microsoft even tried to buy them, or you know, offered to buy them back when they're making the Xbox, and Nintendo, of course, turned them down. And Nintendo is such an independent, you know, uh, proud company, if you will. I they would. I don't think there's any point in the near future, and by near future, I mean like the next decade or two, <laughs> that they would even consider selling them. You know, selling uh, to another company. With that said, there's always a possibility of a hostile takeover, which I think you know this. Uh, uh, the analyst was also referencing, you know, where a company can just straight up buy it, you know, regardless of Nintendo's feelings on the matter, as long as they get mm. you know, the majority of the stock. And that's also something, first off, I don't think that'll happen for multiple reasons. One, Nintendo's not the kind of company you would want to take a hostile takeover for. Like, no. Or no. Maybe it, or I would even extend that it would seem like, you know, that, like, it seems like it's in Japanese culture. That, it was, that would just be a very bad idea. <laughs> um, but besides that as well, Nintendo... Uh, there's things companies can do. I know. Keep in mind, I'm not a financial expert, but there are things companies can do to make themselves even less desirable as a uh, potential takeover target. It's basically called like taking a poison pill, and it's where you know there, you can do various things to make yourself less desirable or less you know a possible candidate for takeover. And I wouldn't be surprised if something Nintendo would do if it came down to it. But Andre, clearly you're not paying attention. Haven't you asked the internet? Nintendo's doomed. 
Nintendo's <laughs> been doomed since the GameCube or the N64. Like, clearly you're not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, That's I mean, real, come on. Right. Yeah, they're just yeah. They're done for. I mean, stick a, stick yeah. a nail at them. Mm-hmm. Can you ima- can you imagine just the mountains upon mountains of salt though? If Ca- if Nintendo acquired Capcom or Square Enix, like oh my God. it would be. I mean, at this point, I do wish Capcom would just at least acquire Mega Man because it seems like they're more interested in doing stuff with them than Capcom is. But can you imagine though if they if that actually happened, people would be so livid. I mean, look at the reaction to when Bayonetta yeah. two was announced as Wii, Wii U exclusive. People were so angry, and it was so fun to just sit back and watch. It would be the same thing would totally happen, but on a much grander scale. If if Nintendo were to acquire one of these, you know, one of these essential third parties, right? Yeah, it'd be it'd be crazy. I mean, I bet some people would mind would not mind if they bought Konami, though. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, I mean, although at this point, I mean, Konami is just such a shell of its former self. I don't know if they even can be salvaged. Really, I th- I think. Yeah. Oh no! At that point, you just grab their their. Trade with their big titles and then just go. For yeah, their, save their save their IPs know. from pachinko obscurity. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. We've got two more news topics here that we can talk about. I think the one I'll save the more most interesting one to me for last. So the Pokemon commercial. Um, I did not actually watch the Super Bowl. I don't know if you guys did nah. or not. I did. Um, but uh, apparently that the Pokemon 20th anniversary commercial placed first in YouTube Super Bowl ad blitz. Campaign. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I basically, I what I sounds good. Think it means is that basically it was the most popular of the uh, commercials, and based on what I was seeing on Twitter about uh, the commercials for this year's Super Bowl, they were garbage. I don't think that was a hard thing to yeah. achieve. No, <laughs> it, it wasn't. So I mean, the fact that it was recognizable, it's something that has doesn't really happen before. Nintendo Pokemon doesn't really. They, first of all, they don't advertise uh, that much in big events. It's certainly not the Super Bowl. Like this is like a one-time thing. And they're hitting that like that prime demographic, right? Where they're catering to not only you know new fans who like Pokemon, but also like you know twenty years of fans now, like you know kids who have grown up. Like that's a massive audience that they're hitting at once during the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I can absolutely see you know for the first time ever, I can absolutely see why that was the top slot. With that said, um, I mean I think that's awesome. I also didn't think the commercial was that great in particular. I actually kind of liked it. I, I liked how <laughs> dramatic and kind of overwrought it was. I I, I don't know. I kind of like that they just kind of went full tilt with the whole. Just dr- drama element of it, and I, I liked it. Ugh. As we've mentioned before, who who else as a kid hasn't you know imagined themselves you know training Pokemon and doing all that and battling in the w- real world and well, we know you have Derek. Sort of then start topic this week, <laughs> of course. That's why I got to keep mentioning because it was such yep. a good topic. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, then I can definitely see how that would. Um, Definitely get draw in people, but it it certainly didn't help. It certainly helped that none of the other commercials on the Super Bowl were yeah. that good. Like what what was what uh, Puppy Monkey Baby is the one I kept hearing about, and I saw a picture of him. Like what the hell is that? It's uh, that was some of the most oh, yeah, things. That, that yeah. Mountain Dew thing, the legs of a baby, the body of a monkey, the head of a puppy. Oh, that sounds like a, a Sony puppy. ad campaign. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, totally that does. like a PlayStation, like the new PlayStation commercial. Oh god, that could yeah. be a commercial. Uh, well, speaking of Sony, thank you, Ash, <laughs> for that segue. <laughs> um, we actually did get news that apparently Sony could be bring- could be bringing back Crash Bandicoot. This actually came from a toys director who was working with uh, a bunch of toy uh, thing, you know, uh, toy properties for Sony products like Uncharted and 
uh, I believe God of War and you know uh, Little Big Planet and stuff like that. And apparently he also brought up Crash Bandicoot. As in new Crash Bandicoot. And who knows if this is true or not. Who knows if Sony will stick to it because they've been doing these small teases about Crash Bandicoot for a while now. But what would you guys think if they actually did bring back Crash Bandicoot? Um, I'm probably going to ruffle a few feathers by saying this. I really couldn't care less. I think it, it would be a big deal for a lot of people. And I hope that it happens because the time does feel right for Crash to make a comeback. It's been a long time. I just personally don't care. Mm-hmm. The, the, the one Sony character I want to see brought back is Parappa. But, uh, you know, that's that's down the line still a bit, maybe, if, if it ever happens. But, you know, I think Crash is a big deal for a lot of people, and I'd be happy to see it happen. Uh, but eh. I do like the fact that Crash Bandicoot does sound like a Mega Man X Maverick boss, though. That's always been my favorite thing about him. Is, <laughs> right? It sounds like <laughs> Mega Man X9, like Crash Bandicoot. It just sounds like a Mega Man X boss. But other than that, I personally don't care about Crash. I never really got into his games back in the PS1 for whatever reason, so... But I recognize how big a deal he is, and I would be happy for his fans. Yeah, I basically agree with that. I, I think it would be cool if he came back, but the, the prime consideration here is that he would need another redesign, specifically to redesign them back to his original design. That's true, yeah. <laughs> back to yeah. undo all the horrible things Activision has done to him over the or years. Just, or just make it a dark and gritty reboot. Well, that's the thing. I haven't played a Crash Bandicoot game since Crash Team Racing. I, I've heard a few of the games they came out with were decent um i think twin sanity gets raised up a lot as a pretty decent crash bandicoot game but you know i I of course grew up with uh one two and three and team racing and it's weird to me like can you get a full reboot without naughty dog behind it because to me naughty naughty dog is that series even though other companies have made more crash bandicoot games than naughty dog ever did um you can i think you totally could mm -hmm. i I think it's it's doable though but uh I mean, yeah, Good. definitely. Like Killer Instinct, you know that that was that, that's true. That's true. Yeah. We can get big red button on the case <laughs> since they they formerly worked on. Crash yeah, in a completely random yeah. thought, I feel like the original Crash Bandicoot games, because of their behind the back perspective and the kind of that corridor type view that you have throughout the whole game, would work really well on 3ds. Yeah, yeah. It would actually. That's yeah, true. just completely random thought. It'll never happen, but I was just like, oh, that would look really cool. I don't know. The weird thing is when I think of Crash Bandicoot, though, like at the time, it was pretty impressive visually, and so I would love to see that brought up to current generations. Sure. By, mm-hmm. Especially if it were done by a company as competent as Naughty Dog, whereas mm-hmm. seeing on the 3DS, it would look like whatever. So <laughs> the 3D would be cool. Everything be, else would be subpar. Sure, yeah. sure. It'd be the jump between Ocarina of Time N64 and Ocarina of Time 3DS. Like, there, you can see the yeah. difference, but it's not a massive difference yeah. uh, at all. But I, I'm a fan of Crash Bandicoot. I'd love to see him come back. I'd love to see him come back properly uh, because you know he why, was everywhere. You know why I want him back? I want more Sony versus Nintendo ads. Those are great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are pretty fantastic. Although although the Sega versus Nintendo ads are the best. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But no, the Sony era, uh, the, the PS1 era Sony ads back in the day with Crash and... Uh, Spyro, so good. Like they had yeah. such creativity, and then with PS3, they just got weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, PS3 was a pretty big messed up. That crying baby thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I feel like PS1 era Sony, in terms of ad, ad campaigns, was very much like Sega, and, it was, and that they yeah. were just kind of yeah, which I liked because they were they weren't afraid to play dirty, and it was just kind of this this you know really brutal kind of ad campaign between the two companies. But yeah, once they hit PS3, it just kind of got weird. And yeah. and kind of and not in a good way, like an uncomfortable. Like remember the Vita thing? Remember the whole? Uh, oh, the squirrels! The oh, squirrels! God. God. Well, the worst though 
and and I saw this in person and he living here in LA on Hollywood and Highland there was this ad for a while for the white I think it was the white PSP or white Vita. Yes, the white I remember Vita. this. Yeah, and and, oh and I can't believe this is one of those things where you cannot believe that everyone who needed to sign off on this did because it literally was like this white woman grabbing a black woman by the throat and it was like it, and it was an ad for the white PlayStation Vita I think and it was just like you know white is here or something like that and i'm like god no one saw this <laughs> nobody thought about this maybe this isn't cool like just maybe we shouldn't have such obvious racist overtones in this ad like i can't believe that that still was made yeah <laughs> it's it's nuts fortunately I, the f- funny thing is i don't have a tv any, tv anymore so i don't even know what kind of ads are doing it now i just mostly see trailers oh this is a billboard Oh, no, no. I mean, just in general, of ad campaigns. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Uh, back and forth. The, I think one of their best ads still is for the PS2 when they were doing the whole PS9 thing. And it's like, oh, the uh-huh. future is there and experience the present, and it's the PS2. I was like, okay, that's that's pretty cool. That was pretty cool. <laughs> we're yeah. almost halfway there. The better use was ad. I hope they reuse those ads when PS9 actually does launch. <laughs> yeah, like 2045 or something, 2030. Yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that takes care of all the news for the week. So uh, why don't we jump into our topics? Who wants yeah. to go first? I guess I'll start off here. So uh, this one comes to us from uh, Patreon, from one of our Patreon backers. Actually, they all do. So mm-hmm. if you want to suggest a topic, uh, just back us on Patreon at any level and can send in your topics, which we'll use every week. Uh, this one comes to us from um, Lawrence Watkins. And he is asking if we prefer the 2D Mario Saga or the 3D Mario Saga. Now, before I answer that... Um, I love the idea of referring to Mario as a saga because <laughs> when I think of saga, I think of like epic stories, like with you know massive fantasy worlds. I guess that part is true, but like Mario has like the least amount of story possible. <laughs> so, yeah. It's the superstar saga. Yeah, that, there you go. That's true. <laughs> there you Although go. I will say, I guess Mario Galaxy was kind of epic in scale. Well, I mean, look at games like The Thousand Year Door and Super Mario RPG. You know, there are stories there. Well, yeah, but the, I think he's talking about the mainline Mario games, not the that's true. Games, yeah, that's so. true. The platformers. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, to so I would say for me, the 3D Mario games take it. Like, if I think that's a partially a function of age. Like, I love the 2D Mario games growing up. However, like when I when it comes to replaying a game, I don't enjoy them as much as I used to. They're still fun. I think they you know, they hold up. Uh, it's just that I much much prefer the 3D games overall, barring of course Sunshine, which is <laughs> I'm just pretending the game doesn't really exist. So, uh, no Mario 64 like was a game changer for me. That game. That is still some of my best memories of a game ever. I remember bringing getting a game home, getting the system home, and playing the game for the first time, and it it blew me away. It was amazing. Like it really showed me what 3D could do for games. And then uh, Mario Galaxy One and Two, all similarly, maybe not quite the same scale, but it's the closest I think any game or any Mario game since has given, has given me a, a feeling like Mario sixty four, where I <clears throat> where exploring the universe did feel like this massive undertaking and playing with gravity it felt like just a really fun new experience that i hadn't had before in a 3d platformer um so for those reasons and just general presentation and uh like the the music and the music and sound in mario galaxy for instance is just the best of the mario series in my opinion so i i yeah the 3d mario games for me take it absolutely although i do still very much like three you know mario brothers 3 and world so when it comes to replaying them these days it's it's 3d mario all the way yeah, you know, I think I have to agree with you, Andre, for, for much of the same reasons. I just, uh, I don't know. I mean, I love 2D Mario games, but I, I find that the only one that I can go back to and consistently really just have a blast playing now is Super Mario World. Not that the other yeah. games haven't aged well, but I don't know. For some reason, like, I can go back and play old Sonic Mega Man games and have a great time, but 
2D Mario game, but at least at least Mario one, two, and three. They're fantastic games, especially two and three. But I just find them harder to go back to on a personal sense, and not because they're they haven't aged well. They have. I just I don't know. Mario World is the only 2D Mario game that I really love going back to today. Um, and then the, there's the new Super Mario Brothers games, which I would say half of which are completely uninspired, and the other half are good. I mean, I love New Super Mario Brothers Wii and New Super Mario Brothers U and New Super Luigi U. So maybe less than half are uninspired, but they're still not incredible games. Whereas pretty much every 3D Mario game is, barring Sunshine, which I, I actually still like. You hate, I know, but but I actually still like Sunshine. But Mario 64, Galaxy One, and Galaxy Two are three of the most incredible ageless yeah. gaming experiences of all time across genres across systems i mean it, it they're really incredible and especially galaxy one and two i would say mario galaxy the first one is just one of the most unbelievable gaming experiences of all time period yeah full it, stop it blew me away yeah i remember i remember there was a kiosk uh near my house uh, when i was living in south san francisco that got the game early like a few weeks early nice and my roommate at the time like I, I went, I I went to the store and I saw it, and my roommate went there many like every night for like a week to play as much of the game as possible. <laughs> I purposely avoided it, like beyond seeing that one time. I did not want to ruin the experience for myself. I wanted to get it home, play it like for the first time, or be able to play it in you know uh, in my place of comfort. And I'm glad I did. I love the hell out of that game. But it was funny. Uh, getting back to what you were saying, actually, about New Super Mario Brothers, I didn't even consider that when I was making. My I know because <laughs> they're, they're not that memorable. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like yeah, they're good games, but they're not super memorable. And that that, really, that is a point. That is it exactly. Like if you if you factor those in, in my decision, it, 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 the only further uh, backs up my point for the 3D games. Well, so. and it doesn't help either that most of the New Super Mario Brothers game, New, new Super Mario Brothers games, reuse so much of their assets. Like, yeah. the music they, they is like a, so similar. like a single game, yeah. Across all the games, whereas, you know, the, the music in all the 3D Mario games is instantly, that they're all, the, the, all the soundtracks are disparate from one another, they're instantly recognizable, they're, they're really well-produced, whereas I just feel like the music in New Super Mario Brothers is pretty throwaway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then you have the soundtracks to Mario World and Mario 1, 2, and 3, which are all iconic. But, I don't know, I think just taken as a whole, the 3D Mario saga is more it just i don't know it just i feel like it's more timeless uh, over the years in my opinion mm-hmm. so Uh-oh. i'm Uh-oh. going to be the contrary one what's happening nice <laughs> i'm going to, i'm going to be the contrary one i wasn't sure like this is this is seriously like choosing between children yeah because both are good but the 2D Marios and 3D Marios i mean of course there's a reason Mario stuck around for so long but i th- i honestly think the 2D saga saga <laughs> um, <laughs> you doing it too yeah the 2D saga I'm going by his uh, by Lawrence's terms here um, holds up better to me um, because and now I'm completely discounting the new Super Mario Brothers series these these don't count to me like I don't consider them as part of as I'm like Andre I wasn't even thinking about those yeah but the experiences between the first four Mario games are so different from one another. And I I think that's part of its charm for me because 64 is still great. It actually holds up remarkably well, although it does have issues. Sunshine is fine as long as you're not going for the blue, uh, the blue coins. And Galaxy is wonderful. My, my favorite 3D Mario games by far. But there's so, like, there's such 
differences between the first four games. Mario, Super Mario Brothers established the core, and I loved playing as a kid. I, and I, I have fun going back to it and realizing just how much of a challenge was there. Two is completely different, and I so much I prefer the version of Super Mario Brothers two that we got way over the two two that Japan got. Oh yeah, I am grateful for the fact that we got uh, Super Mario Brothers USA yeah. uh, totally. as our Mario Brothers two. Mario three, my favorite game of all time. It it I can go back to it endlessly. I've played that game more than any other. Love the secrets. Love all the power ups. I think it's the the short nature of the levels makes them fun to play through and explore. And like you never feel overwhelmed by it. And worldwide, I didn't grow up with it. It's still a fantastic introduction and introducing to the series and getting Yoshi involved and just seeing how it changed things up and sort of consolidated the experience while still expanding it uh, after Mario Brothers three. I mean, these are all fantastic games that stand up each on their own, and I think I can point out more issues with the three D the 3D games. And I think that's why I have to sort of give my like I like I said I love both. I'm not I I will go back to any of these games, but I do think 2D is just much easier to jump into and more interesting because you'll get a slightly different experience with each one. So Derek, you, what you're telling us is that you hate the 3D Mario games, but you love the 2D Mario yes. games, right? That's what you're saying. <laughs> Sunshine is by far the best Super Mario 3D uh, the nice. 3D Mario game, and that's telling you something. <laughs> you know, the, the, there are people out there who really think that, though. And I can understand... I actually Josh can Thomas in the Biplock. That's true. I can sort of get why they think that, and because it does... It's, it is trying to perfect the type of level progression that um, 64 had while doing its own and while doing its own unique thing with the water the water uh, with flood and there's never been such great theming like they really do Uh. stick with a single theme but I also think that sort of limits them like it's sort of odd that we don't get a snow level or you know something else water is just a major part of this. I would have liked to see what they could have done with the water mechanic in ice levels or desert levels and see what they could have done because there's so much more creativity they could get out of the out of flood but they didn't because of uh, limiting themselves on what kind of levels they made yeah. and also just the fact that it just really wasn't that popular uh, despite people liking it. Um, to me, the worst sin Sunshine makes is the blue coins. At least having such an emphasis on them where almost, you know, at least a third of the of the sciences you're going to get, you have to get the sh- the blue coins for, and right. they're not fun to me. I, I don't find hunting down the blue coins fun at all. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think we, we touched on this briefly. I actually like the blue coins just because they represented really the the biggest challenge that any 3D Mario game has thrown at us yet. And I'm kind of a masochist when it comes to, to, to platforming. I love challenging platformers, 2D and 3D. And I feel like Galaxy 2 and Super Mario 3D World, even at its hardest moments, never got, never quite got there for me in terms of being hard enough. And I feel like Super Mario Sunshine, though, did. And I like that about it. But I'm also a masochist, so... In in what ways? Like I'm trying to think of platforming challenges related to blue coins because they were not, yeah they were just obtuse finding them. They, it, I don't well, finding them, finding them but also hard. having to stay alive, like having to stay alive and get them all in one go. No, you could, because you would save after each one. Yeah. But also, I also like the the, the non flood obstacle horses too. Not that they had anything to do oh, with the, the blue coins, but yeah, yeah. No, those are those are definitely fun. But then you got these odd challenges like the pachinko machine or the sandbird that was just weird and <laughs> kind of glitchy. So yeah, okay. Well, we can talk. I mean, we can talk about sunshine forever. Yeah, I feel like there's more. There's more here. 
uh, to this. You know what is funny? There's something else I didn't consider, though. Like, as I had ignored the new Super Mario Brothers games, I also similarly didn't take into account the 3D Land and the 3D World games, which I oh, feel yeah. like this is going to be, this isn't going to come across as badly as I mean it, or as badly as I, as it may sound, rather. But um, they almost kind of remind me of the 3D version of New Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> like, they, you know, 3D Land and 3D World. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to their credit, like, they feel like the most true. I think they are the most faithful to updating the 2D games in 3D of any of the games. Um, I feel like if you want pure 2D-based Mario gameplay in 3D, that is the closest you're going to find. It literally does. Those yeah. games, especially 3D Land, I, I feel like that, the, that game really does feel as if they took Super Mario Bros. 3 and just turned it into 3D. Almost like a, almost yeah. like a Super Paper Mario type thing where they shift the landscape from 2D to 3D. I feel like that's what Super Mario 3D Land would look like if you just took Mario 3 and just shifted it into 3D. But what, mm-hmm. conversely, though, uh, although I kind of agree with that, I also didn't like 3D Land nearly as much as I did Mario Brothers 3. Yeah, so, um, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they just came across as, I don't know, stale? Because the the platforming challenges weren't anything great, I don't think. We know what it is. Like, you it's, got it's, in- interesting levels. It's so. a weird thing. Yeah. Nintendo has this weird thing with Mario games, some of them, where... <laughs> Like some of them are very generic in their marketing. Like they they could not be more. I guess I guess generic is the word. You know the games themselves aren't. Like I, I remember this happened with Mario Kart Wii as well. Whereas like the all the advertisements, even the box art was like Mario and Luigi holding a Wii wheel steering wheel right. against a plain white background. Just very basic like advertising, very basic imagery, just very kind of uh, sterile, uh, sterilized. I guess is the word I'm looking for. Just they, they, the same thing with the new Super Mario Brothers games. They just a lot of the more modern Mario games have had a very sterile approach. I feel like they're just very, I don't know, it's I just they're not very. Uh... Oh, do you remember the uh, 3D World unveiling at yeah. E3, that initial trailer, and how oh, plain yeah. that looked? At yeah, the end? it's true. Then they released subsequent trailers, and the game ended up looking a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't until that second trailer that people got really in- interested in 3D yeah. World, right? And, and just, I, I I actually did like 3D World a lot too. By the way, a lot more than 3D Land. I did too. Oh, but yeah. even but even that, I don't consider in the same in the same uh, light as I do you know 64 or the Galaxy games. Yeah. You know what's funny is and 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 I just realized this is what you're talking about. It. Do you guys consider Yoshi's Island part of this discussion? Because it is technically Super Mario World two. No. That's a Yoshi game, but it's called Super Mario yeah, World two. Only only in the states. It wasn't that sure, in Japan. Sure. 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 Yeah, no, you're there's right. Al- there's also the fact of um, Super Mario Land Three was is Wario. It's Super Mario Land Three. Oh, Wario but that's true. We do Land. need to consider Super Mario Land there, One and Two. Mario Land though. games. You're right. And actually, that is a great game. I, I think it's a great game. Mar- Mario Land and Mario Land Two, great games. I love how weird Mario Land um, One is. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Did you see well, Armistice in action on it? Yeah, Ash. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I forgot how. I mean, I, I, I had forgotten how weird that game really is. Like with it being based primarily on it's real so life, strange. Or like real life locations. It's yeah. such a bizarre. The aliens, the fact that you have shooter levels yeah. in it in, right. in a Mario game, which seems just odd. Um, uh, and then, I mean, even Mario Land Two got weird. Yeah, uh, it was. It was definitely easier until you had to fight Wario. I actually never beat Wario as a kid, but going through all the different levels, like the space land and having being able to float, and the actual Mario Land <laughs> where you're going through the statue of Mario. Mario yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like they had some really unique ones, and I actually I like the Buddy Years. The, I did the, too. I'd love to see the, see see those make a comeback for sure. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, Mario Land 2 was a, That game, uh, I actually like that game a lot more than the original Mario Land. I thought the original mm-hmm. Mario Land, it, it's kind of like the original Mario Brothers for me, or Super Mario Brothers for me, where it was fine for its time, but as soon as the better games came out, I, I there's no reason for me yeah. to go back. I think Mario Land 2 mm-hmm. did, yeah, was that improved experience for me. But I really liked that game. That really did feel like Mario World, basically, on the Game Boy. And you know, it's, great, it's so. funny, for as, for as seminal and important as and iconic as the original Super Mario Brothers is, and it still holds up technically, I still don't find it very fun to go back to today. <laughs> I, I'm the exact same way. I loved it. Like I, I, I feel bad at any disparaging the game anyway because it was a great game for its time. And it's, I loved it's it still a great a game, but I just it don't is, find yeah. it fun to go back to. I'm, for some I, I'm exactly there with you. I don't want to go back either. I'd rather play three or World or the three. Yeah, games, so. or two. Oh, or two even. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just it's so weird. Although on on the subject of two, I, isn't it interesting how so much of what we have come to see as part of the Mario DNA Comes didn't there. even come from a Mario game? <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's why Birdo, the turnips, shy guys, <laughs> yep, shy and guys. Yet, I so, love that. And yet, Subcon really, it really hasn't come back, nor Wart at all. So, besides, I'm still uh, waiting for that Wart comeback. Yep, I know it's gonna be w- hype. Wart had the perfect chance to come back in Dream. Why? How did that not happen? How did, how did they not think about? It? I mean, you know, they must have thought about it, but why did that not happen? Right? I know. I just feel like that that would that was a perfect time for him to come back. Like, yeah. and it could have been funny too. It could have been a really funny scenario. Oh, they could have done so much with that. See, I mean, they, they could have oh, played like they could have made it all meta, like fourth wall breaking. Like, hey, I've been around in the Dream World for like years, and <laughs> nobody's you know Nintendo hasn't used me in years. Like, it could have been great. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and I think uh, I mean, actually, we can do use this chance to switch to my topic. Uh, I my the topic I want to do when uh, I chose was from Emily Shimp who wanted us to discuss some of our favorite video game-based cartoons, whether they include Mario, Sonic, Pokemon, Mega Man, and all the other cartoons that came out uh, back in the day. I already know what Andre's going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the reason I brought up that brought up that is, like, I think a lot of the fond memories I had of Super Mario Brothers 2 and why some of these characters are so iconic is because in the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, it was Bowser leading uh, Mauser and Triclide, <laughs> from, and, and from Mario, from Mario Brothers yeah. two all the time, and that was the that's sort true. of the common thing. So I think that's why it sort of just worked out that way. That I they they're iconic to me. I'd love to see some of these characters come back, but it's just never going to happen. So are we switching topics now? We're doing cartoons. Yeah, uh, what, what what cartoons? So, yeah, I the uh, well, I know Ash expects me to say Captain N. I, I did watch that show as a kid. Yeah. What's funny is I actually don't even care that I much about the show. It. I just want the character back. <laughs> like I think he'd be such a hilarious off the wall character for Smash. Come Brothers. for all for all the time you spent talking about how much you want a Captain N in Smash Brothers. You cannot <laughs> I, tell me that you don't I, really care. I, about I barely the show remember that much. the show. The only one, the only episode I really remember is when he gets trapped. In, like he goes into his own stomach or something. Like, he's in the hospital. He has to go fight off, I don't remember that at all. He has to go fight Naruto's in his stomach with like Mega Man and Pit or whatever. <laughs> I don't. I have never watched this show once in my I had, life. I had the comic. I had the comics too. Some of the comic books, uh, like a really thick one of the Captain. Oh, it wow. was pretty cool. God, Anyways. Green Mega Man is just stands out as such a mistake to me. <laughs> <laughs> but so for me, like I loved the Mario cartoons, all of them. The Super Show, Mario Three, yep. and Mario World. Those were all I watched all of them. And the, oh, the yeah. Super Show was probably the most different of them because first off, it was kind of based on the combination of Mario One and Mario Two. But on top of that, not only was that a weird combo, but then it used like a whole bunch of like weird, uh, like like fa- like fables or fairy tales as settings for games, or even real life locations to a point. Like it was just a mixture of random crap, and it worked somehow. <laughs> 
just throw it all together. It probably doesn't hold it up if you watch oh, it Oh, especially because there's, there's all kinds of weird animation glitches in that show, too. Like, it's, oh, yeah. It's pretty clear they, like, farmed out to what must have been, like, the cheapest uh, animation studio they could find. There's panels where, like, Luigi is dressed as Mario, and Mario's color like Luigi. They switch voices at times. <laughs> um, they reuse animation pretty frequently. Uh, despite all that, like, that didn't bother me as a kid. Like, I, I love that show. I love uh, finding but, that stuff in the original Ninja Turtles cartoon. That stuff happened I mean, all the time. Yeah, did it? In the original Ninja Turtles like, cartoon. Like, it was a mid-80s thing, right? Like, mid-late 80s thing yeah. happened pretty frequently. Make the animation as cheap yeah. as possible and get it What's out. funny, though, is, like, the animation itself, from what I remember, actually wasn't, like, that bad. Like, it wasn't, like, you know, uh, like, the frame rate. Was no, they, the, char- yeah. the characters looked how they looked yeah. in the... There games, was just no quality know, they, they, control, they, they, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah. And then the live-action segments. God. Oh, God, how can we not mention Captain those? Captain Lou That was basically like a Mario sitcom right there. Oh, yeah. It was great. I mean, it was not yeah. great, but it was great. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible, but it was amazing. It, it, and they had... The funny thing is, looking back at it, I had, I had an old VHS tape of the Super Show, and the episode that, had, that they had on it... Uh, the guest star they had was Sergeant Slaughter, the wrestler. With the wrestler, which thinking back out of it now, we had a character, a, a person on a kids TV show named Slaughter. Slaughter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that Rowdy Piper on there too. Oh yeah, they did. Oh, these violent, these wrestlers. They had, they had other stars. I think. I think uh, wasn't like Millie Vanilli in one in an episode too. Oh, I don't. Or know maybe, that. or maybe not that. in the live action segment. But I think there was something that references them in the cartoon at least. I think so. Yeah, yeah. they have references. But they like had that, all but... kinds of weird, random guest stars on that show. It was like kind of amazing that that, that even was a thing that that was able to happen. <laughs> yeah, it really that show. I mean, I do love going back and watching that show today, just because it was such a weird. It was just weird. Yeah, you it know? was weird. <laughs> uh, I also, similarly, like I like Mario Three and Mario World. Those are probably like a little bit more refined, a little bit more true to the source material. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and I, Yoshi was the worst though. Yoshi, what Yoshi, Yoshi was in those. Oh, Yoshi's Mario voice 3, is terrifying. Yeah, it, it really is. I think Mario Three overall is probably the the most steady of all the cartoons, like the most consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I yeah. agree. And Mario World actually only had thirteen episodes. I didn't realize this as a kid. It only had thirteen. Really, episodes. it felt longer. Yeah, actually, yeah, it did. Yeah, whereas Mario Three, I think, had double that, and the Super Show had a ton, as I recall. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And the the Koopalings were actually Bowser's kids at the time. The way it should be. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> they have screwed that up. Thanks, Miyamoto. That's yeah. <laughs> Except the cartoon changed all their names. Yeah. There, there <laughs> was a period reason. of time where I could not remember what their names were. Like I would, I would switch between the cartoon and the actual game's names like randomly. So I think like Wendy will always be cutie pie to me. So that's see, actually, you know, I don't remember all the all the cartoon names for the Koopalings. Of course, I know all the I know their regular yeah. names easily, but yeah, I don't remember the the cartoon names by heart. I only remember cutie pie. Yeah. Huh. That's the only one. But yeah. Uh, yes, gosh, I, I watched so many cartoons as a kid, and as, you know, most of these, uh, video game ones, but of course the one that always sticks out are the two Sonic, uh, Yeah, shows. one of which was good, the other Adventure. one was yeah. whatever. that's what I was gonna <laughs> yeah. say. Adventures and Sonic Sad AM. You know what, I still have, I, did too. I still got a, a mild yeah. enjoyment out of Adventures, because it was just so weird. I, like, it was basically a Roadrunner cartoon with trying to get some dialogue in there to make it seem funny but as a kid you were entertained the hell out of it because it's still sonic and Tails i know as around. a kid i was not entertained by it i hated that show <laughs> i especially i think i might have liked it if that was the only one that came out because that would that would have been the only way for me to get for me to get my sonic cartoon fix but you know fortunately and unfortunately it came out alongside saturday the saturday morning cartoon which was so much better 
like in every oh, way. It's amazing. And, and I actually the got animation. really into that show as a kid. Yeah. And I love that they're still continuing that same story in the comics today. Like all these years later, they still have that same universe going. And I love that. Like, why hasn't Sega looked to that for inspiration? Like, I, for a game, I think that would be a yeah. good starting point. Maybe a little. It's the only time they ever reference those characters in the ga- in the games is Sonic Spinball. Yeah, and, and the I think uh, Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine as well. Yeah, and Mean Bean Machine because they, they the adventures because they had um, Scratch and Grounder. Yeah, that's right. And uh, as as characters. Um, and then that the, uh, I think Sonic CD, the American Manual, referred to as Amy as Princess. That's Sonic. right. Yeah, it did. <laughs> so yeah, uh, there was a couple times that like the uh, the show got people mixed up. But yeah, I, it's a little. It is a little dark, which I think is kind of funny. They sort of predicted to have the the darker tones that Sonic would eventually go. But down. I kind of yeah. like that it didn't when it condescend to kids. Like it was, it it was oh, it was no. a dark it was a darkish show that. Really, just kind of took its subject matter seriously and in a good way, like not in uh, not in an, uh, kind of a highfalutin, you know, extreme way. Just in kind of like, a, hey, we're trying to tell a slightly darker story in the Sonic universe. This is what they're doing, and if you're in for it, you're in for it. And I liked it. Are you implying the Sonic Says segment of the other cartoon wasn't uh, wasn't down or was downplaying the kids? Oh, <laughs> was, it definitely was, was but, but in a, in a, <laughs> that was hilarious. I love Sonic Says. <laughs> Oh god! All the old PSAs yeah. and cartoons of that era—they had to do that because they had to be proved to be educational. You guys probably already know this, I'm, <laughs> Derek. I'm sure you do, but kind of a, a neat little bit of trivia is the fact that my dad actually was the voice of Antoine in the Saturday Morning Cartoon. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, so and, and he was always such a weird, like just wacky character. The for those of you who don't know, he's the, the, the French fr- fox, the French, yeah, coward. the French cowardly fox. Uh, was he a fox? I think he was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what he was, but he was a, he was French. He was a coward, and he was constantly hitting on Princess. Well, which is funny because in the comics, <laughs> he actually ends up marrying Bunny, Bunny Rabot. Yeah. See I now, mean, now there's no hope for yeah, us. We're talking about Sonic lore now. There, there's no hope <laughs> for us. <laughs> what have we done? Um, of course, yeah, I have to throw exactly. in a, a little shout out for the Mega Man cartoon, not because it was particularly good. Uh, it wasn't, but it, it, it's memorable. You know, the, the voices are hilarious. Um, it, it was well mm-hmm. enough produced. What's weird about Mega Man is that. You can tell that like all, like ninety percent of the budget went into the opening, like because the opening even now is like it's so bomb, like it's just it's so hype. You can't you can't watch that yeah. opening and not get excited for the show. And then the show starts, and it's clear like that the remaining ten percent of the budget went into the animation for the for the actual <laughs> show. I, I remember watching episodes and enjoying them for what it was, but it's it's I remember being confused when I finally started playing yeah. the Mega Man games. And like, isn't Proto Man supposed exactly. to be a bad guy? Because <laughs> I'm so used to that. But I love his voice. And Roll looking completely great. different. Oh, the I I enjoyed the hell out of that show. I don't care oh, if it was bad. Cut Man was the uh, best. The f- oh, Cut yeah. Man here to take my cut. cut. I love that guy. <laughs> Him and Gutsman were always the big one. It was always so exciting when they got away from the original six. Yeah. And they started expanding into the other uh, robot masters. But um, did you ever actually see the pilot or like the original like um, – I forget. It wasn't a pilot. I don't know. It was sort of like this animation oh, I did. test where they were – And it, it was like – it was traditional Mega Man. And it's, it's exactly like the, uh, like the Mega Man that you yeah. see in the games and, and like – it would have been awesome. And stuff like that. It was so close. I'm like, why did yeah. we get that? I would have been so happy with it that. It looks so much better. Yeah, I know. I know. I saw that, and it, it would have been. I would have loved to have had that as the actual cartoon. Yeah, this weird, overly muscular. Mega I think. Man. I think my favorite so thing about Mega Man, Man now, or the yeah. cartoon now, is how just 
viciously inappropriate it is by today's standards. Because because you have Roll, who yeah she's she's a housekeeping robot, but but in this cartoon, literally her her arm turns into a vacuum cleaner, and you have Mega Man saying things yeah. just kind of off the cuff like oh I don't need a girl robot to come help me. You'll just get in my way, and it's like oh man, it's <laughs> so bad that would not fly today. Yeah. Yeah. The, the way the cartoons treated the girls in, the, in these cartoons, like I never watched the um, Legend of Zelda oh, cartoon, yeah. but just oh, uh, wait, isn't that kind? Isn't that kind of opposite though? Like, didn't Zelda like treat Link as like? But Link kind of deserved it if you watched. Well, no, watched but right, that's why wasn't. I mean, I don't. Yeah, remember, actually, I feel like the Zelda, Zelda cartoon like kind a, of empowered Zelda. If anything, yeah, that's how I. That's L- how Link was kind of he was kind of like this everybody loves Raymond ish kind of you know <laughs> wet blanket who never did anything right. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, gosh. You know what was another great cartoon, I thought? Uh, I thought Earthroom Gym was a really fun cartoon. Oh, I only watched a couple episodes of that now that I think about it. The, I, I remember, like, an episode or two. I remember the theme song more than anything else. It start, oh, the theme song was great. Uh, but mm-hmm. the, uh, the voice of, uh, what's his name? Dan. Uh, uh, Dan Castaneda, yeah. Homer Simpson. That's right. He did the voice of Earthroom Gym. Garuvi, you know? I believe he was always said. Yeah, I watched that. Uh, do you remember the Donkey Kong oh, Country? Oh, my God. Man. Okay, no. Cartoon? There was so, the that's better left on Spunky. First off, it's not really even the cartoon. It's like some horrible CG monstrosity. Oh, it's like reboot. <laughs> yeah, it was like reboot, exactly. Except not. Except reboot actually looked good. Well, that's the funny thing. It's like the DK games, the DKC games have way better CG quality than that's, the cartoon did. I, I, you know, I, I adore that show just for the music. Just for those awful... <laughs> The music, Awful yeah. The, why? Who decided it was a good idea to put music in every single? Oh episode? man, that that show is something else. Like that 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 really demands to be seen. Like it's so bad. I feel so. I don't know if you guys had the same experience with it as I did. I thought that show almost seemed like an urban legend to me as a kid. Like I had heard. Oh no, I had heard like it existed, yeah. but I never saw any proof of it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like I've never seen this. <laughs> That's because I believe it only aired at either 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. And I was a stupid kid who would wake up at 6 a.m. so I could watch everything, even the really weird stuff that they they put on at that early of a time slot. And that would include Donkey Kong Country. Holy crap. Well, Well, that actually reminds me of an interesting – or of of something where, like, I remember I used to, like, race home from school like watch these shows. Or specifically, in this case, a Pokemon cartoon. Uh, like, I would race home from middle school at the time, and, like, I, I catch this episode, and then right after, me and my friends would go play Pokemon or whatever. Nice. So. <laughs> I, I think we could easily declare that Pokemon is the best video game-based show. Oh, could we easily declare that? God, I, I actually would still vote for Sonic Saturday morning. Man. Mm. There's so many... There's, there's too many factors here. I would say Pokemon yeah. probably does the best job of presenting this world in a like it had it had the ongoing story right like so they, they did yeah. a really good job like making a serial basically and making the world seem believable but with that said i don't know what's my most enjoyed show but uh it doesn't have to be pretty high up there i got super into uh, it's it it's also so. i mean i still remember when the ash took on the not uh it was the pokemon league those episodes are still stand out as some of the best yeah oh, i was gonna say i i kind of almost find it difficult to see pokemon as a video game based cartoon because the Pokemon anime is so much its own monster now. Like it's almost completely mm. separate from the, the from the Pokemon games now. The two almost have like no like crossover whatsoever. And I just I mean it is obviously based on Pokemon the video game at its core. But I just at this at this point, I just see the Pokemon anime as kind of its own monster. Kind of a pocket Pokemon. monster. Uh 
Uh, I should I should have known better. I, I do yeah, want to throw out a quick shout out to the Street Fighter cartoon, which is absolute trash but <laughs> hilarious. Oh. I, I I only remember the Street Fighter anime. I never actually watched the Street Fighter cartoon. However, I have seen the Mortal Kombat cartoon, and holy oh, crap. I forgot about that. As a kid, I could even tell this. Like I watched anything. Yeah. Even, I watched one episode of that. I was like, nope, <laughs> done. I, I was more curious, like how do, how did they turn such a violent game like Mortal Kombat into a Saturday morning kids cartoon? Yeah, and yeah, it well, was it was awful. <laughs> Street Fighter's answer was literally to turn it into GI Joe. Like it, it was GI Joe. It just became GI Joe, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because watching the movie, oh god, I had. I had the the on Sega Saturn the Street Fighter the the movie game. Oh, <laughs> I remember. Digitized, yeah, I had that too. Digitized actors. Oh yeah. my god, it's so bad. Oh yeah, you mean it's so good? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I have oh. a perverse like love for really weird bad things like awful. Movies. Oh, I would cut. I would come back to it and play it because I would try to beat the story mode and I couldn't beat it because I hate playing as Guile. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He's a charge character, and I hate charge characters in Street Fighter. Oh, uh huh. I think we've exhausted most of the card, most of the big cartoons, and 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 I almost, I'm almost scared to to kind of uh, approach this next topic. Oh my god! <laughs> so I'm I'm, I'm going to have to keep it as brief as possible. But but uh, so my topic comes from Peach Toadstool, and uh, he, he basically wants to have us or uh, do a discussion involving the most memorable game music, sounds, and or soundtracks throughout the years. Uh, so this topic could be expanded to include events spawned from game music, such as Final Fantasy concerts, Zelda, Symphony of the Goddesses, and MAGFest. Game music also birthed passionate communities dedicated to recreating and remixing the music from games. Blah, blah, blah. So basically talking about video <laughs> game music. now. And Peach Tolstoy knows the stuff when it comes to game music. He did our uh, podcast theme even. That's true. he's done all kinds of collaborations, I think, with other game-related music. He's, he knows he's yeah. good. Oh, he's, he's great, good. yeah. And I chose this topic because video game music is such an important subject to me. And I could talk forever, and I won't. <laughs> but I the, the first CD or soundtrack that I, I guess, or album, whatever you want to call it, that I bought with my own money, with my own allowance as a kid, was Kefka's Domain, which is the very, you know, probably little-remembered U.S., official U.S. release of the Final Fantasy VI soundtrack. And prior to that, I had never really paid attention to music for whatever reason, and then when I first played Final Fantasy III, VI, um, I was like, this music is awesome. And for some reason, it was video games that originally got me to pay attention to music. And now, of course, as an adult, I love all kinds of music, especially electronic music, and I listen to everything. But video game music is just, I love it. I'm so passionate about it, and it's such an important thing to me, and I follow all the different composers. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I just, for me, music is absolutely an essential element of any game I play. And if the music isn't there, I, I have a hard time enjoying it. I mean, and, and for those of you out there who might think, well, man, he's a nerd, or music really isn't that big a deal, it's just a video game, fair enough. But then go and play your favorite video game and put it on mute and see how much is lost. Well, Literally, so go do that. So I totally agree with you, but here's a weird thing. Like I've known people that will mute a video game and turn on their own music or listen to something else. And I'm like, how yeah, can you th- do that? Those, those, people, those, those are not people I would ever Netflix and chill with. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to just stop there. They, those no, are, those not are not people, period. <laughs> no, it's true. Some people can do it, and I, I don't know how they do it. Some people really can divorce the gameplay experience from the audiovisual element, but I can't. The only time, the only time I do that is um, when I have to grind sure. RPGs. Yeah, I... Because... There's only so long. Like I like this. Yeah, music, no, I hear you. I gotta listen to something. What's different. funny is, is for me, I'll I'll usually end up doing that, but with other video game music. 
Oh, that's pretty <laughs> funny. Well, I had a friend that he would, yeah. he would play Shadows of the Empire. He would mute the game to turn on the actual Shadows of the or the actual um, uh, Star Wars soundtrack. And oh, that's play funny. That music over the game. That yeah. works. That's great. <laughs> yeah. That works. So I don't know. Uh, all right. So I guess Ash. I mean, so specifically then, like, what is one of your favorite uh, game things in here? Game soundtracks, or or I guess you mentioned. Oh, that. Well, I guess you my... Fantasy was that it, or. Well, no, my, my favorite soundtracks of all time are probably the Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross soundtracks. Okay. Yasunori Mitsuda is just, he's, he used to be my favorite musician, actually. He's actually kind of fallen off in recent years cause, just because he doesn't do as much as he used to. But those soundtracks to me are timeless. But if I had to go with my favorite musician right now, uh, that would probably be Yoko Shimomura, who is, uh, she's done so many things. Kingdom Hearts, uh, Parasite Eve, Super Mario RPG, all the Mario & Luigi titles. Um, she's just so prolific, and she has just she just makes genius use of light motif, and and I just uh, she's so I could talk about her forever. She's so talented, <laughs> and I actually got to meet her as Derek knows. Uh, I actually got to meet her at the Kingdom Hearts 2.5 launch event, and I'm not a celebrity, you know. I don't get starstruck very easily, but when I met her, I was like, oh my god, this is one of my heroes right here, and. Uh, and, and I don't know. I, I just I really love video game music. It's it's a really important thing to me. Growing, I, I'm trying to think of when I first really took notice of video game music because it was always there. Like you play Super Mario Brothers, you're not going to get that theme out of your. That's head. That's true. Yeah. You you play Zelda, you're not going to get that theme out of your head. They just there was a reason they're so iconic. But I think the first time I realized how great music could be was probably Final Fantasy VII, and oh. that soundtrack and just getting how just many different emotions because before that I was playing mostly platformers and other than recreations of like the DuckTales theme when I played the DuckTales video game I really didn't pay attention to the music that much even though the I do I do although I do remember of course the moon uh, theme. I can't believe that you would play a Mega Man game and not pay attention to the music. It's known for I never, I never played Mega Man. Oh, that's true. Kid. You didn't. Okay. Okay. I didn't. I did not play yeah. Mega Man as a kid. So I wasn't until later I came off court and of course I noticed the music. Yeah. Uh, but Final Fantasy 7 was when I really noticed it. But then uh, a couple PlayStation games had the ability to play some of the so- songs on the soundtrack if you popped them in your CD player. Right. Uh, and I did that with Castlevania Symphony of the Night and listened to that soundtrack, which is amazing. And, of course, Chrono Cross had that as well because I agree with you. That is one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard, especially that opening uh, sound, that opening theme. Yeah. I, I can still just pull it out like more so than anything else. Um, so, yeah, music has become really great. One of the, my Probably one of my favorite soundtracks out there. Uh, ever and one of the few I've uh, actually gone out of my way to buy the um, soundtrack to is the world ends with you. I love that oh, yeah. game. I, I it's uh, it's one of just one of my favorites. And going from place to place and getting that music and that just it really just got you in the mood like you were actually in Shibuya. Like it felt like you were in Shibuya as you were going th- through this world, and it's uh, just so good. Totally. I, I think. So. Oh, sorry, Andrew. We're going to talk. No, go ahead. Oh, I said I, something that really fascinates me about, especially older video game music, is I like to get in the mindset of what these composers must have gone through in terms of the hardware limitations, like working with the NES or Super NES. I mean, you can go back to a game like Mega Man 2, for instance, and this is a pretty easy example, so apologies for that, but, you know, the Wily Castle theme that everyone loves in Mega Man 2, that, I mean, look at the, the limited hardware they had to work with, and... Uh, Yet they were able to create such an iconic theme full of just, it, you know, it has these elements of like, you know, you're driven toward this goal to defeat Dr. Wily. And, you know, you feel like it really is you're standing on the world's last hope 
And this is a Nintendo game. This is an 8-bit game, yet this music was so epic. And the fact that they were able to create music like this, given the hardware limitations back in the day, it's just so, it's so it's fascinates me. And that's one of the reasons I'm actually specifically into chip music, or chiptune, which is, it's kind of like this new, this not new, but this newish genre of music that's kind of been extrapolated from electronic music, and it literally is people taking old video game hardware and sequencing original music using it. And I love watching people do chiptune live. And uh, there's actually, I've started watching this thing called, uh, it's a weekly thing by a guy named DJ Cutman, who does a thing called This Week in Chiptune. And it's a whole genre. People out there just make chiptune from old Game Boys, Nintendos, Ataris, what have you. And it's like to become this movement. And amazingly, as much as I work at conventions in my line of work, I've done so many PAXs, Comic-Cons, E3s, whatever, I have never been to a MAGFest. And that is one of my great, great regrets in life so far that I haven't. So I fully <laughs> intend on going next year. But it's it literally, they are having at MAGFest, they are having a video game DJ battle. Oh, wow. Like, well, that blows my <laughs> mind. I need to be at one of these things. Like, that's, I would be so happy at one of these things. Yeah, it's funny because Magfest is you know this weekend. It's exactly, and it's, it's like it's really making me sad. I, that I'm not there. I, w- I would love to go to Magfest one year. Maybe next maybe next year we'll see what it's we'll see what happens. But um, as far as uh, chiptune music, uh, the one that always sticks out the most to me, the one I first noticed was Anamanaguchi in their um, Scott Pilgrim mm-hmm. soundtrack. Oh, that's a, that's such a good such good music. Oh yeah. Uh, but what about you, Andre? We haven't actually got you involved in well, this. Well, I don't think I can narrow it down to a single game, but I would—I can narrow it down to a studio. And I think when I look back on games, I mean, there's so many, so much great music, game music out there. I know what you're going to say. I yeah, think. Rareware. Yeah, <laughs> Rare. Yeah. I think like across the board has had consistently. Well, not so much these days. I, I can't even account for what they have these days. But um, the, the 90s to the 2000s, they had some of the best composers in the industry. Like, across almost every one of their games had distinctive, memorable, catchy tunes. And oh, yeah. even even their more subpar games, like Star Fox Adventures, had freaking amazing music. And yeah. I, I just loved, I just loved you know, whether it was Grant Kirkhope or David Wise uh, or even Robin Beanland and you know, the other composers there. Like, they, they all consistently did fantastic music. Um and of course, one of, the, one of the chief things that comes to mind is Donkey Kong Country, the Donkey Kong Country series, specifically Donkey Kong Country Two. That game did Ugh. atmospheric. It was it was mm. memorable. It it was so great. Like like for the for the first two games, especially like I feel like everything came together visually, the audio, the gameplay, like to just create one of the most like sublime experiences I've had with the game. Oh, I have so many memories of listening to that. I had the CD version, the CD soundtrack from the Club Nintendo catalog. Yep. And I have so many memories of listening to that on the way on the bus on the way back from summer camp. Yeah, like every day I did just too. Listening to the DKC two soundtrack. I drove my dad. I drove my dad nuts with the pirate ship theme. Like I was put on repeat. And <laughs> oh yeah, my my poor dad. Like my my dad is the whole reason I have as much of a love of music as I do and an ear for music. And he, I must have driven him crazy with all the video <laughs> game soundtracks we listen to. And and he maintains that the, the music is great and he, he loves that I found this music that I love because it kind of showed him it opened his eyes to the fact that video game music is just as complex as anything else out there. He didn't know that previously. But I'm sure there were days that he was just like, I can't <laughs> listen to another song from Final Fantasy or Parasite Eve or whatever. Well, you just reminded me of a story yeah. where I had I had bought the Mario Kart 64 soundtrack again from Club Nintendo, or uh, the Power Supplies catalog. 
And I, we didn't have a CD player at our house at the time. It was still relatively new technology. So I was listening to it in our van, which had a, which had a CD player. And the track, my dad had entered the garage just as the track came on where you it's a losing theme. Like, you get fourth place, I think, or something. Where it starts off as a typical winning theme, but then it gets slower and slower and yeah. slower. And my dad's like, what the shit did you do to my car, Andre? Like, <laughs> That's awesome. Like, he thought, like, the battery was dying or the CD player was dying or something. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty great. That's yeah. amazing. Uh, well, I, I will yeah, say, I, I'm going to out myself. This is going to sound really hipster of me to say this, but I, I have recently gotten a new obsession uh, my wife just got me a record player for oh Valentine's Day, and, and, and look, I'm not into collecting vinyls, but really I'm now collecting video game <laughs> vinyls. So I, I already have. I've already got uh, the best of Mega Man one through ten. I've got uh, the Bit Trip Saga vinyl, and then for uh, Andre, I know you're going to love this. I've got the Banjo Kazooie vinyl. Oh my god! Oh, there wow. is a Banjo Kazooie vinyl, and wow. actually, I'll, I'll send you a picture of it because the album art is so cool. But I, I'm now into collecting video game music vinyls, and I, I sound like such a hipster saying that, but yeah, I do like that video game music now, you know, it's been seen in Japan for years, ever since the 90s and 80s, as its own thing, as a big thing worthy of concerts and shows. That's only happened recently in America, I would say in the, in the last 10 years or so. A lot of that is due to the efforts of Tommy Tallarico and his uh, Video Games Live uh, show, but um, I do love now that we live in... You know, a time where in the U.S., things like the Pokemon concert and the Zelda concert yeah. and Final Fantasy concerts are a regular thing, and they're not looked at, looked at as necessarily weird. Maybe a little unusual, but it's not necessarily something that people kind of draw back and be like, video game music, that's strange. It's almost become, I would say, culturally accepted as just kind of a thing now. Actually, you know what's funny? Kind of related to that yeah. point. Uh, not so much at first, but actually looking back on it even more so, I'm thinking of PAX, which has like video game concerts as well. Oh, yeah. But I remember standing in line for one of the first PAXs like outside, this was like 2003, 2004, like one of the earliest ones before it blew up into this massive thing. Like it was only, there was a time when only a few thousand people would go to these. Uh, so we were standing outside in line, and I remember a car driving by, like calling us all losers. Nice, and that's something you don't see. <laughs> like I haven't heard that before, or it's really in the in recent years, like a PAX. I've never heard that since, and I think it shows yeah. like to show how much more um, accepted it's become in recent years. Like just you, in general, you, you, I, I still see a little bit of that in LA with Anime Expo. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll see, like I'll be I'll be at Anime Expo, and I'll hear people walking by. And just talking about like all the dumb cosplayers and you know what's wrong with these kids. So you do get a bit of that with Anime Expo in LA still. But yeah, I agree. And pa- at least in terms of packs, I haven't heard that in a long time. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I it's kind of amazing to me. I went to see Zelda Symphony of the Goddesses. I think its first year it came out. It came to Philly, and I made it made sure to just get out there and see it. And it was such an amazing experience to just hear a full orchestra do all these Zelda themes and have them do two um, encores and just really like go all out with it and seeing how it's still around and they're still adding music to it. I'd love to go again because oh, yeah. it was such a fun time. It was so good. Uh, I'd love to – I mean I would have loved to go to the Pokemon Symphony. That's oh, me like too. A great idea. And, I, and on that note, I'm sure that'll keep going. And Nintendo, if you're listening, not that you are, but if you're listening, stop scheduling the only Zelda concert in Los Angeles <laughs> during for three. three weeks. What is wrong with you? Why? <laughs> I want to go, but I can't because we're working. But yeah. I would go any, literally any other week of the year. You have 51 other mm-hmm. weeks to bring the Zelda Symphony to, to Los Angeles. Yeah. Any other week, Luckily, I would go. But 
Yeah, oh, it's so frustrating. Every I hear time you. I can't I would, go. I would love to go to it too during E3. I, I wish we had the time to, but luckily Me I have too. Able, I was able to go to the uh, San Jose one a few years ago, and uh, like I got goosebumps at a couple points, like hearing the songs, like orchestrated. Oh yeah, on stage. Oh, yeah. that was fantastic. And I wish it, like, I, first off, I think it's amazing Nintendo has even done that, let alone let it run as long as it has. Like, I think that's fantastic. I think it's awesome. I wish it would do that now for Mario. Like, I want a Mario concert. There's so much great music there, too. Yeah, um, they did a 25th anniversary or 30th anniversary Mario concert in Japan recently. Yeah. But I would love to see them bring that here. Absolutely. Yeah. That'd be great. So they, if they're doing Zelda and Pokemon in the U.S., why wouldn't they do Mario, you know? Right? Yeah. Yeah, it would make sense. It would. It has to happen. It has to happen at some yeah. point. Well, I will say that at the end of this month, uh, for for Christmas, I believe my wife got me tickets to the uh, Final Fantasy Piano and Opera concert uh, coming up at the oh, end wow. of the month. So I think it's at the Walt Disney Concert Hall. We're going to go uh, see that. I think it's February twenty eighth or twenty ninth. Um, but yeah, it's just going to be just all piano, and I'm I know the opera from FF six will be represented because it's an opera concert as well. So <laughs> I'm super excited for that. <laughs> I, I will say it's it was kind of I got the um I forget what the soundtrack is called, but um the the C D that had all of the um Final Fantasy music redone. It was the first one that Uematsu did. Oh and Dear Friends. Maybe it was the second one. No, that's yeah, Dear, Dear Friends, Friend. okay. And, I think it was Dear Friends. I forget which one. But they had one where they actually had an actual opera recreation of the Final Fantasy VI opera scene. They actually had people talking and everything. Yeah. I mean like singing the lines and everything. It's so Yeah, good. no, I, I got to see that so live. Good. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen live. Well, I think that about covers it for uh, this week's Real Talk. I mean, we got some pretty in-depth uh, discussion with these topics. Bit. and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure we could have kept going on the Mario one, but, yeah. you know, probably probably good to cut, with that, cut that one off. But, uh, yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening. And... Um, of course, stay tuned to Game Explained for uh, more on Nintendo, gaming in general, everything else. And of course, if you want to listen to this early, uh, support us on Patreon and you can offer up topics. You guys offer up a lot of topics that we got to go through. And unfortunately, we can only pick three or four at a time, but uh, we saw a no, lot I, of good ones. There was a, actually really hard to narrow it Actually, down. Derek, do you mind if I interject really quick? Sorry, sure. just kind of a quick, a quick, cool little bonus thing. I actually just got the email that I can now talk about this publicly. So yes. just for, for yeah, so for those of you watching right now, this is kind of an exclusive reveal. I went to GameSpot last week to do a two-part uh, on-camera feature about Fire Emblem Fates. Uh, the first episode's coming out tomorrow, and the second one's coming out on Monday. So I'm actually going to be on camera. You're going to see my beautiful face on GameSpot, <laughs> and I think we're going to post videos on GameSplain as well. But uh, So yeah, I can talk about it publicly now. You will be able to see me in this Fire Emblem Fates feature on GameSpot starting tomorrow. So... I figured I would uh, let that be a cool little bonus for you guys watching right now. The two of you, all three of you, and everybody that listens to it, uh, you know, actually part That's of the true. podcast and like, I guess it, yeah, who knows when Gamespot's actually putting yeah. posting it, tomorrow. right? But yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. So again, thank you guys for watching, and uh, we'll see you next week for more Game Explained Real Talk. All right, guys, bye. bye.